I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, um, this podcast on Monday is really jinxed. We try again for half an hour to record, but now it seems that we found the right um, uh, way to do it. Yeah. And now that I said it, probably a thousand problems will, will arise, but right. let's see. Yeah, so we so we had the idea to just talk about the draft from last year. It's been a year since the NBA draft. It was a year on June 20th. And this is by no means us trying to say this is the defining moment of all these guys' careers and it's all over or whatever. You know, this is this is just taking a look back. All these guys have played a year in the NBA. Most of them have played a year in the NBA. And you know, what do we think about these guys today versus what we thought of them, you know, last year? So I think that's all yeah, this exercise is for. It's like somebody yeah. stated that, like, it's too early to do this. Yes, we know that. But still, but I think good. it's a fun exercise. Yes, because if you do it like five years afterwards, it's very clear. <laughs> like, if you do a redraft with the 2009 uh, draft, like Zach Lowe and, and, and Simmons did, uh, I think uh, last week, mm-hmm. um, it's a very good exercise, but it's very different. Right now, you have just a few more data points on all these guys. And it's, it's still tough. I mean, as you said, for many of these guys, it's it's too early. They are too early in their careers, and situations plays a big role in where they are. Opportunity, and so I think it's good to, that we try to do a redraft, um, even if it's early. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and we'll start at the top of the draft, and it's. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot that's going to change, at least for the top two. I mean, would you would you go different than Zion? Are you saying that Lou Dort is not going to make the top <laughs> two of this draft? I'm talking about Darius Baisley. Did Darius Baisley jump all the way to one for you, or is he number two? Um, no, it's not in the top two, but very close. Um, jokes aside, I mean, number one and number two, I think there will be 30 teams that in the same situation in the same spot where New Orleans and Memphis yeah. uh, took them last year, they would do exactly the same. There is no enough material to say that John Morant, even if he had like I think I think a better first year uh, than anticipated, because yeah. you, from a guy like Morant, you could get a very good year like he did, or a normal year, and that would it's probably still okay because the variance and the variance in prospects like that is, it's very high. So you can have a bad year like the year in Fox and then blossom in year two or three. It's, he had a very, very good year, but you, you cannot jump Zion in, in this draft, at least after just what we saw, um, mm-hmm. like the two of them. Yeah, in 19 games, Zion averaged 23 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, 
he was very very good <laughs> he was yeah. and jaw you know 17 points seven assists three and a half rebounds he was great he was yeah. really good this is where it gets hard i think like, who do you like who do you take three in this draft because it's it's those two and then it's okay there were it's not that there weren't any good players after those two guys but there's no standout after them who do you take um i think i would still go with rj barrett yeah because i mean i've seen enough from him in international um competitions where you say well is it the is it the situation is he play does he play in the correct role can he be more of a ball handler rather than like an off-ball guy? And I think that there is still a talent gap between him and the other guys. And this year was bad because they're like the shooting percentage are abysmal and the results are even worse. But still, I mean, I would not draft anyone else at this spot. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a player that can control an offense and be the focal point of an offense someday, I'm not sure that there's another guy that that can be that, at least from what they've shown in year one. You know, you, you look at a Darius Garland, who was pretty bad in his first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Jarrett Culver, who was thought to maybe be that kind of guy who showed in Minnesota that he was not that guy and it may be even less than what we thought of him going into the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then it gets, and then it gets pretty wild. Like Kobe white. That is that, would you rather have Kobe white than RJ Barrett? Like, no, I think the size that RJ Barrett has is enough for yeah. me to say, I'd rather have RJ Barrett. And then he's it's a the bunch one, of role players. The only one. Yeah. He's the only one if I consider there Kobe yeah. white. Um, and he's number four on my list. I think that the shot creation and the ability to hit pull-ups, contested pull-ups uh, from the dribble, it's its something that I thought Garland could have in year one. Kobe White is taller and had better results. And I think that, it, that, that actually matters. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't play in a um, in a very healthy situation as well. I mean, we all know the issues that we had in Chicago um, and so they had in Chicago and so I think that I would still lean Barrett but if you want to consider another guy there um, I think that Kobe White it's helps help himself a lot with, with, his, with his first season in the league um, so I have him at number four I didn't really consider Garland or Culver um, to me those are some of the names that that I have like a little bit uh, farther away. I mean, yeah. I think that Garland had um, some hype because of the shooting, because of the, the the fact that he could get into his pull-up in no time, and that was not what we saw. Granted, it's very limited sample size, and it's not super easy to play alongside uh, another ball-dominant guard, uh, so it's, it's still possible that Garland ends up being a better player than Kobe White, but still, I think it matters again that the ball went in for Kobe. Yeah, it's true. Kobe shot thirty nine percent from the field. Yeah, it's not is, great. Which is still not great, but he did. 
he scored more points. He even played less minutes than Darius Garland did during the season, which is kind yeah. of kind of strange to think about. But yeah, no, I don't I don't disagree with that with that pick with Kobe at four. I think and it's not when I like went into this. I was like, I don't, I didn't think Kobe White would be number four, but I think that that's at this point is probably the right pick. Uh, where do you go? F- where do you go at five? This will probably end the pod immediately okay. <laughs> because I because I have Kem Red this year. You're gonna have to talk a lot here to yeah. uh, to get me there. Yeah, I mean. Other players that I considered and that were pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Hero, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland, and Rui Hachimura. Yeah. Um, I think that those four guys are, five guys including Reddish, are a little bit ahead of the other crop that I have. That includes like Brandon Clark and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But still, in the second part of the season, Reddish started to play a different kind of basketball, where it was more involved into the offense. Um, he, the results improved over the season, and he is a six-seven, six-eight small forward that can do a lot of stuff with the ball. And if he finds a way to be effective as an offensive player, I think that there is material there to grow into something more than the other guys. Because of the size, because of the versatility, because of all this stuff, those stuff, I I was, I wasn't very high during the draft process because of the surrounding, um, uh, I would say, intel that 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 Reddish had, like a guy that didn't love basketball, that um, had a, a rough season at Duke, but when you see him on the court, he's just a natural offensive player. It's just. Things are easy for him. And in the second part of the season, again, I think he had what some of the, of the, he showed what some of the evaluators were looking for and didn't find a year ago. So I think this is a, one of the upside swing. If I'm Atlanta or whoever picks at five, I don't remember who did. Cleveland. Um, Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, even more. Even like you have already like some of like a lot of minutes that you have to play at guard. Try with Reddish. I think it's not a bad pick there. Yeah, I I like the body type of Cam Reddish. I like the mm-hmm. idea of Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'm 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 not all the way out on Cam, but I'm I don't think I would take him five. Okay. I'd rather have Tyler Hero than than Cam Reddish. Well, it's fair. I mean, it's fair. Uh, I have him a spot below, so not yeah. really different. Um, 12.9 points per game but, on a good team. Yes. Yes. No, on, no, a te- no. I mean, on a team that, honestly, if he wasn't any good, he wouldn't play. They don't. They have enough guys on that team. But when he could play this year, he played, he played a lot. He shot 39% from three. I mean, that alone, if you can shoot 39% from three and average almost 13 points per game, I mean, how there's just not a lot of guys in there, let alone in their rookie seasons, that can do that. Just in the NBA, that can do that. And yeah. I think that he's 
going to be a really good player. And can, can you can you guess the line uh, that Reddish had over the last thirty games of the season? Uh, like no, g- five trees, thirty nine point seven percent. Yeah, that is. I mean, with like steals, blocks, thirteen point three points per game. I know that his team was bad, but he was very good. Yeah, on those games. I and just I worry the, I worry a little bit about end of season, like toward the end of the season, bad team. No one really. Eh. It's the beginning of the season. People are going hard. We don't know who's who yet. Now we know. Okay, Atlanta's coming to town. Are we re- are we really going to go out for Atlanta and Cam Reddish? Like I don't know. I worry about that. I, I worry a little bit about that because I think sometimes it it and this could just be that Cam just improved and got better. He's playing better, but sometimes on bad teams, guys shine at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and it's not real. Oh, that, that is fair. What I like is seven games out of thirty with more than twenty points on efficient shooting. Yeah, that is that that rarely happens by chance. It can happen by chance. It's not like. It's not common, though. Um, one thing that I want to say about, about Tyler Hero, if you want to rank the teams that can make the most of Tyler Hero as a prototypical player, where Miami ranks on those teams? Number one? Number two? That is not to Pretty say high. that Hero yeah. is not a... Yeah, that is not to say that Hero didn't perform well, because he, he did. He was very, very good. But you also have to measure the fact that if he if he goes to, I don't know, uh, Cleveland and plays with Sexton, he will probably not have the same quality of shots because he had great shots and he was good at taking them. So, again, we are not discussing like totally different ranges of player. I mean, I have him seven just because I wanted to reach a bit from for Cam Reddish because again I think that his body type is and the end of the season is really counts for me and maybe I'll, I'm foolish because I agree with you that the end of the season especially when you have nothing to play for can be extremely misleading but I've seen him play in a different way like different awareness different kind of things that you look for in rookies and so if you if you ask me today is Cam Reddish having a better NBA career than Tyler Hero? I cannot say no for sure. And I put them in the same ballpark yeah. as of today. Yeah. I just like what you hear about Tyler Hero and his attitude and his demeanor versus Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. I'd rather yeah. have a guy like Hero who's known as just like a killer. He's going to work really hard. And then you hear stories about Cam Reddish that are mm-hmm. like, okay, he he may not love to play the game. He may not. And he's, I just have never heard about any really good NBA player that says, yeah, they don't, they don't really love the game. You know, there's like whispers of that about yeah. him, which just, that's, that would scare me. That would scare. That's enough yeah. to scare me away and go for a guy that hits shots. You know, the guy just gets buckets. Teller hero does. And the injury yeah. stuff is, I mean, he didn't, what did he play this year? He didn't, uh, he played 47 games. 47. This yes. year. 
So, I mean, that, that is a concern, you know, the injury stuff is a concern, but moving forward, I would just rather have a guy like hero than, than cam reddish or even what about Deandre Hunter? Like, what are your thoughts on Hunter? Um, it's right behind. So six, seven, eight for me, reddish hero and Hunter. Um, I think that he's together with reddish. He, he was better by the end of the season and he shot, A higher percentage from three than what I expected. Yeah. Back it up by a very good free throw percentage uh, for a guy that was where shooting was the main concern because when yeah. you shot 76%, 76.5% while playing very good defense, um, probably this is a better outcome than what they expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't see, I don't really see a ton of upside there. I would still take him in the top 10 because again when you have a guy that may be a 36% shooter and a very versatile defender there is value there um, but what else is what I ask yeah. where with Radish and Hero you can see upside in terms of ball handling in terms of shot creation with Hunter and maybe but we didn't see that so mm. far I mean he has a body type if, if somehow He's able to work on, on his dribble and on, on his ball handling skills. And add that to the package, then we are then the outcome from for him completely changes. The outlook for the future completely changes for him. But so far it's not there. And so to me, he's ahead of Garland because he, he can be a useful player, a really useful player. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the floor for him. But I don't see Um, again, um, the ceiling part is troublesome for me. Garland is nine is um, eighth for me just because of the variance. Yeah. I mean, he can be uh, like a bench guy, whereas under I see him being a starter because of what he's shown already. Mm. Unless something bad happened to his shooting or to his commitment to play um, very good defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Garland's size is is another thing. He's only six one. Yeah, is another concerning thing about him. Some of these guys, like they've got NBA bodies to lean back on, and they can develop and things like that. But if Garland can't score efficiently, he's six foot one. You just you can't overcome that. And so if he can if he can start to figure it out, awesome. But I I think that Cleveland team is just so so messy that I just don't know. I don't know who in their range would have looked like a success. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, I don't see a name. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe Brandon Clark. But again, you don't drop Brandon Clark with the fifth pick. You don't. Even even if you know Mm -hmm. today about the season, I don't think he he goes above the guys that we already discussed. Yeah. I think that now is the place where you really start to look into him if you're Washington. But yeah. But you, but you don't before. And I ended up going again with Rituya Shimura. Okay. And and it was a very very close call for me because on one hand again you have um Ashimura subside. He he didn't perform like he was good in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Some some would say 
worse than expected. Some would say better than expected. I don't know. I think it was around what you can expect from Achimura. And I still question the fact that, that Clark's upside is different from Machimura. Yeah. And even if he, he was very, very good for Memphis, I didn't see... Today, I would not pick him above above Rui. Uh, and I know firsthand that Rui is a, an outstanding, outstanding worker. And he will improve. I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, I don't have the same info on Clark. And, and I don't know. I mean, you have that. You, you know, like the fabric of Rui Achimura, um, the, the, the fact that he, that he has that in him. He wants to play basketball and he wants to work. And, and, and then you have the upside because he's still young. Um, to me, he's still Achimura at nine for Washington. And then it's Brandon Clark yeah. uh, with the 10th pick, which is a pretty big, pretty substantial jump for him. Yeah. But it's not very far from the early mock draft projections that we had in April last year. I mean... Clark was one of the guys that didn't shine in the draft prospect process somehow because mm-hmm. he was, I mean, there were different websites that projected him as a borderline lottery, lottery pick. And so, oh, uh, I mean, up, the ringer had him in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's a surprise that he slide to 21. And if you redraft, you probably take him around 10. Give it yeah. a take. I mean, he, I think that is his range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just, I worry a little bit about Rui and the type of player that he is. Mm-hmm. Do, like, do you think that he fits the modern NBA? Um, not in every team. Yeah, that but, that's why I would maybe. That's probably why I'd take Clark over him. Just because mm-hmm. I think that Clark, as a rim runner, as a guy that can... I mean, the dude's touch around the basket is is so good. I mean, yeah. he, he is killing guys out there. I I think he he's really awesome, and I think that he fits on just about every team. I think Rui... I don't know. I just don't know that he's a player that's built for, for this league. I think that he would have been great in, like, 2011 in the NBA. I just don't know if he's a 2020 player as much as Brandon Clark is. Um, I read a piece uh, from Seth Partner on The Athletic about the mid-range. And first, it is a piece that you should read uh, uh, because A, The Athletic is great. B, Seth is particularly great at understanding basketball and going away from the common things like wow we should only take trees no no it's not like that and he makes a very valid point which is the elite mid-range shooter from the dribble we are there in the 80s we're there in the 90s and are still there today what is really missing from today today's game is the unassisted the assisted two pointers inside the arc like the mid-range right. with no dribbles. That is the part where if you, like, I remember uh, me and you talking about Carmelo Anthony taking long twos instead of corner trees, and that was maddening to us yeah. because it, it is actually a bad shot. But if you are a good pull-up shooter from the mid-range, I don't think that you are 
not suited for the game today. And Rui is a very good pull-up player. He was very good in Gonzaga. I think, like, as the time goes on, he would improve in his pull-up shooting um, from an, from a like mid-range in the NBA, and he will be good enough from three where you have to guard him. And so I don't think that his offensive skill set is not suited for the NBA today. You have to let him take those yeah. as a part of his game. And not every team will allow you to do that. But like how many play how many teams will actually tell, I don't know, um, to Kawhi or to Chris Paul, eh, just not take don't take those shots. Mm-hmm. I mean no one. So yeah. I, I really I really banked on the fact that Ashimura would be a good enough pull up shooter from two, like say forty five, forty six, forty seven percent, where it's actually a weapon. And and that is valuable in today's NBA. Still. I guess my question is, is Rui a role player or is he closer to like a LaMarcus Aldridge level of player ultimately? Because that's that's where it would matter to me. It's because I want my role players <clears throat> taking threes and spacing the floor for the guys that are going to have the ball. If Rui is a guy that's going to have the ball, then you don't have to worry about it. And that's where it's like if you have Kawhi or you have Chris Paul, you want them to have the ball anyways. But you don't want to put the ball in the hands of your seventh best guy and say, all right, go get us something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that Rui is a seventh best guy. Okay. I think he can be better. The out, the the, um, the fact that you draft him there is because you think he can be better than that. I agree. If you, if you want a role player, then Rui is not the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just worry about guys that if if he is a role player ultimately, if that's what he is, then I don't like the type of player he is. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. If he if he is a menu, then I don't want a menu to take long twos from the dribble. Yes, I no. completely agree with that. Okay. Uh, okay, so you have Rui, then Brandon Clark. Who's next on your big board? Mathis. Tybal. Okay. I think um, I, I I scrolled like the list of the player drafted around. Well, still on the board. Uh, Jared Culver, Jackson Hayes, yeah, um, PJ Washington, who was drafted with like like guys mm-hmm. in that range. Would you really want to take a flyer on a rim running center and or Jared Culver? I don't think so. Probably. Not. I mean. Thibault was an exceptional defender. Mm-hmm. Something that we really didn't see in a while from a rookie. He was very, 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 very good from Philadelphia. And even if the mm, sample size is small and the free throw shooting does not back up, he still shot 35% from three. Yep. Um, I want to see if that is true. And if I am, um, uh, what's the team that is drafting him? I have to, to excel sheets and oh they like the least is uh it's minnesota yeah i think that's uh right. uh yeah minnesota well, the, 11 yeah they, minnesota yeah they made it okay well whatever i i i want to take a flyer on matisse and see if the shooting is for you yeah um uh, this was phoenix and actually phoenix took cam uh no, no no that that is i mean it's a no go for me to to draft Cam Johnson there. Um, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, 
the, the evaluation of Cam Johnson that I had a year ago is exactly the one that I have today. Mm-hmm. He will eat 39% of his shots, and it, it's a good role player to have. I yep. don't draft him with the 11th pick. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, I ended I ended up drafting him at 15, so not not like far away, mm-hmm. but still not there, yeah. not there. Um, and Matisse over Jared Culver is just I don't I still don't know what kind of player Culver is. And the issue that um, like the rumors that he was not going to be a shooter and the shooting was really a problem for him and the stiffness with which he moves on the court uh, still there <laughs> still very much there and so I mean it's right uh, like after Thibault but I don't know I'm, I'm drafting him just because if somehow he changes or if somehow the shooting pans out then he's a very interesting player because he can play on the ball he's a um, probably a good defender during his career becomes a good defender in his career but i don't know what to do with him today in 63 games he took 117 free throws and only made 46 percent of them exactly exactly i mean that is really a problem Mm -hmm. really really a problem but i i've seen him play on the ball and do stuff with it that i didn't expect and and there is enough material there with the body type to say, well, let's give him a summer, uh, or at least yeah. he should have. Like, like with the COVID, everything went away. But uh, a summer of development, real development, he could still have it because he will not play uh, in the bubble. So maybe um, in September, in November, whenever, uh, all the like dates of the NBA are messed up right now so I will uh, probably right. just guess uh, whenever we'll see next time we'll see Culver probably will be November maybe will be will, he will be a different player I don't really know yeah the problem is that you have D'Angelo Russell on that team now with he and Towns they're going to eat up so many possessions and what is Jared Culver off the ball on offense uh, I don't know. He can probably work as a secondary handler that immediately attacks when he has the ball in his hands and tries to make something happen. Plus, he will be their transition player, yeah. the guy that runs the floor really hard. Um, you have him and Okogi as wings, and the shooting and the spacing is not great, but mm-hmm. thank God they have Towns that is a living 45% from three machine if yep. you give him space. So, again, we'll see. But mm-hmm. I I had him like six spots below because I don't see I don't see him as a top 10 player. Um, PJ Washington ended up sliding one spot just because Clark and Tybal were really good yep. because I think that he had a solid first season um, as advertised. He's a sound player, nothing really shiny, um, reliable, probably right f- for a pick between 10 and, and, and 15. Yeah, really nice role player. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, nice role player. Move <laughs> right. on. Uh, Perfect player uh, for Charlotte to pick. And exactly, let's move on. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Charlotte has a tendency to draft really good role players and mm-hmm. not having, well, with, with Graham, maybe they found something, but still, I don't think it's enough. No. Uh, it's, it's, in the best case, it's Kemba all over again, and Kemba led them to the eighth 
spot one season. Yeah. And I'm and I'm afraid they are in the same boat. Yeah. Again. So who knows? Let's um, uh, let's, have, fi- let's finish the lottery and then let's talk about where the Thunder guys would go. Yeah, sure. Um, I have Jackson A's and Cam Johnson's as fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I really consider Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome. Scares, yeah. He scares me, but he's awesome. He's got to go yeah. in the right situation. Exactly. Um, so 16 was, let's see. Um, 16, Orlando. Yeah. Uh, huh, no. No. That's probably that, the nicest team where you can land is Indiana in that yeah. range. Or Boston. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you take into account that the fact that Boston is speaking there, then there is no way. They they draft Kevin Johnson over Kevin Porter. So right. let's close with Kevin Porter instead of Johnson, including the um, like the team that is actually drafting. And yeah, I think that Boston is a team that can make Porter a good player. What about Seiko Duboya? Where do you have him? Uh, Seiko is seventeen on my board. Yeah, and so Chumoku he fell. Eighteen. Yeah, he fell. Uh, I think he's a super interesting player. He is as interesting as he was a year ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, the shooting is not there. The yeah. defense is. The, the shot selection is not. Um, I remember. I, I mean, I've seen like a few games. I, I, I cannot like pretend that I've seen like many Detroit games, but in the ones that I watched, uh, I see what, what is interesting there, but like, do you want to bank on on what you've seen so far? Right. I don't know. I mean, to me, it was like toe and toe with, uh, Chumo Kiki, where at least mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything, <laughs> right. so I can keep the the same evaluation I had a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the pick pick number nineteen, I have Darius Darius Paisley yeah. ahead of Grant Williams, ahead of Nikhil Alexander Walker, another yeah. guy that we were super high on, yep. but then uh, it didn't pan out. Um, and with number twenty two, I have Lou Dort. Okay. Um, this seems a little bit higher, but then I thought him or Langford, yeah, and I said to myself, eh, "I have no no way to say it's Langford." Uh, Eric Paschal. Yeah. What do you Go think Go about Paschal? What do you think about him? Paschal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, very productive on a very very bad team. Bad even. So I give him like to go from forty one to twenty four. I think is a pretty big jump. Mm-hmm. For a guy that, again, as you say, and you say say it many times uh, on on our podcast, someone has to score. Mm-hmm. He was good at doing that, but I mean, I'm not sure I would take him ahead of like a guy who was starting for a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly don't know how to evaluate him because of that. Yeah, me neither. But I I think that if you know that he can stay on an NBA court, you have mm-hmm. to take him in the 20s. Yeah. That is what you have to do. And Bitazzi and Kabengele and Semenich, which are the next guy for me, next guys for me, 
are really interesting still, mm-hmm. but they weren't able to stay on the court for as much time as Pascal did. Yeah. So, and and they were not as effective as Ludort. Probably they had a very little chance to prove, but still. And then from there, I just went to the order, to the lottery order because I had I had no idea. I mean, Ty Jerome, Nassil Little, yeah. I mean, it's 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 too early for me, and I have no uh, new way to to make like a real uh, draft order mm-hmm. between the two of them. Um, I mean, I've seen them play a couple of times and that the image of their play didn't stick. I remember Pascal hitting hard contested twos and Romeo Langford losing one ball after the other. Uh, That sticked in my mind. Um, But for those guys, it's it's very hard. So I think that both of the uh, basically improved a bit just because the, the guy ahead of him really produced and and clearly Dort has to be taken somewhere. I mean if you if you say that twenty two is too high and you have him at twenty seven, fine. I mean I think that he's um a late first round pick between twenty and twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, whatever. Um I think that the defense is real and the fact that he was able to hit his free throws and being extremely aggressive with the ball and with his defense is are traits that you you find with guys you find in guys that are in that range. Mm. The shooting is still a, a real concern. Um, I would probably go under for the ne- for next season. Uh, I just for his current percentage that is thirty mm-hmm. percent because it's likely that he's probably a Marcus Smart kind of guy that for at least a couple of seasons struggles with his shot because he has to do so many things, uh, so many important things for the team. And um, uh, I would love to see him more involved as a ball handler because I know that OKC has three point guards and put like a fourth guy that needs the ball in his hand is not ideal. But I think that Lou has something to show on that end. Same with, with, with Baisley, by the way. I mean, those guys are not just like role players. They have feel. They have feel for the game. And I think that this is important going forward. Yeah, I think you could see Baisley rise. Baisley's still young. He just has to shoot it better. You know, yeah. 38% from the field is not good. 30% from yeah. three is not good. 68% from the free throw line is not good. He just has to shoot the ball better. But he has all the tools to be a really good player. And he's shown that he can play defense. Which to me, at his age, with the development that still needs to happen, just physically, that he can defend at that level, I think, okay, like they, they have something here with yeah. Baisley. Can he put it together is the question. And if we did this exercise again next year, I mean, you could see him bump up close to the lottery because there's, like we discussed, there's a lot of guys that are questionable you know, in this draft. You, know, you have two really good guys, and then you've got some guys that still have a lot of potential that show a little bit, and then it's just, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's, who's, who's the next guy here. I mean, there's a lot of room to grow for Baisley and... And I think that you could see him improve. And same for Dort. Honestly, both those guys were highly touted out of high school and have yeah. the pedigree there. They're not guys that came out of nowhere. And yeah. so I think and you could see you could see a rise from both of them. Yeah. Um, I think that it's relevant to say the following. When, when Baisley went down, 
uh, granted, there was no one extremely good to, t- to take his minutes. Yeah. But still, I mean, I had the feeling that I wanted to see more from him and yeah. that he was good for OKC to have him on the court. And for a rookie, like a guy who was speaking in the 20s, that is pretty telling to me. Mm-hmm. Because, again, he was not bad uh, on defense. He was actually good. I remember, and I, and I said it this many times, but I want to, um, to restate this. There was a possession against the Clippers where he was on an island by himself against Paul George. And George tried to pump fake him, trying to shake him with his dribble, and basically stayed toe-to-toe with him, mm. sliding his feet, moving his hands. It's one possession, yes. And probably Paul George didn't put on the best move that he had because he was going against Baisley, not like Marcus Smart or whatever. Uh, but still, he has the quickness and the length to bother very good players. And if that is your base level and and then you 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 add the fact that he actually understands basketball to a higher degrees than compared to other players. Um, I think that the potential is there. Clearly, I mean, we've seen him from Clark. We didn't see great production from Baisley. Um, the percentage that you mentioned, absolutely. Uh, especially because I think that if we dig into the numbers, um, together with the trees that he missed, there are many shots at the rim, many shots at the rim that he missed because of he, he couldn't handle contacts at the rim. So, there are many things to work, but if Baisley pans out, he has a super high ceiling. Mm-hmm. If Baisley pans out, that Presti pick ends up being awesome because yep. you you reach and and Baisley like fifty games in, you can still say, "Well, I understand now why," and it may it's it still. It can fail as a project, mm-hmm. but but at least, like again, fifty games in, you see the project now, uh, and it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. He took a swing, and there's still a ton of potential there, so it's good. And he's got a really good head on his shoulders, like really, really good guy. Yeah, uh, which I think matters as well. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. You can follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barry. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K Schlecht. Hope you guys have an awesome Monday, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.